Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talking Smack. I am your host, Joshua Scar. We're talking superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. With me again this week is Alex Lasden. Alex, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I'm happy to be back. Um, our little tour through the Russian provinces was nice as we took our podcast live. Um, unfortunately, they don't have internet there, so nothing was recorded. But that's quite all right. And for those uh, in the, what would it be, the FBI and... <laughs> Uh, NSA. Homeland Security and NSA. We were not actually in Russia. Um, that is complete conjecture by my co-host. That's right. Crimea is not officially Russia. <laughs> Trying to get me <laughs> deported or something. <laughs> get me involved in the Trump probe. <laughs> so, as I mentioned, we're talking superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. We don't talk politics here. Uh, we aren't politically active uh, as far as our public voicings are concerned on this show. Of course not. So, with that being said, th- we haven't been around for about a month, so there's been a lot of news. And I took some of the highlights, or at least the stuff that I like most out of the news, because I like to try and keep things positive. So the first thing that we have, keeping things positive, uh, Deadpool has been moved up two weeks. Uh, so it's now coming out in May instead of June. I love that because it's coming out on my birthday weekend, which means that I already have my weekend scheduled. My wife and I will be staying up or getting up very early. We're going to watch Harry and his and his lovely wife get married, and then we're going to go see Deadpool. So it's two cases of royalty for me. Have some tea and crumpets, and then have some people's head blown off. I was really hoping you were going to say we're going to go watch Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> I don't know who Harry is, but because you said we're going to go watch Harry, and then you had a little bit of a pause, I was like, please say you're going to say, and the Hendersons, like it's a birthday tradition that you watch Harry and the Hendersons? No, it's, you know, Prince Harry is getting married to Meghan Markle, and it's going to be fantastic. As I said, we're not political on this show. We don't talk about these sort of things, especially when I don't realize that that's what we're talking about. So yeah, Deadpool now comes out a week in front of the Han Solo movie, Mm -hmm. if I understand correctly. Yep. Uh, and this is all part of a big shakeup that's going on with Fox in their lineup. Gambit is essentially canceled at this point. There's no way they're going to get it made in time before the Disney takeover. No, they dumped they it. They lost like, their director. They lost the director and they dumped it like four months back to like June or July 2019 now or something like that. Yeah, and then the, the new mutants got bumped back to 2019. I don't remember if there was a specific date listed. Yeah, it's February 20, uh, 2019, which is a 10-month bump. Which, uh, as far as we know, that, that could be because they're doing some reworks. Uh, Fox has come out and said it's not because of the quality of the movie. It's simply because they feel like they have a better window to make more money at that point. Yeah, and there was also some rumors saying that that they didn't have quite enough scares in there. So they wanted to really work on some of the graphics and really punch up some of the fright, which I... Which was uh, my initial speculation was the complete opposite of that was that they were going to tone down the fright and, you know, like, oh, you're going to start sanitizing this thing quick because, you know, they can't have an R-rated mutants movie in front of a a future Disney franchise. But then it's all like, no, no, we're going to we're going to up the scares and make more, much more money. There are some people out there that actually think the delay is because they're trying to use the new mutants as a bridge into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Which I don't think is going to happen. I don't no. think Marvel's going to have that that kind of movie in their universe. It doesn't make sense, especially with the team attached to it. None of those people in the X-Men universe are going to be brought back to do any of the X-Men stuff in the Marvel universe when that I, finally happens. No, I don't expect that. Marvel's fiscally incredibly tight-fisted with their, ca- with their cast and crew, so 
unless they extend um extend some kind of like friendship offer to Hugh Jackman just because everyone loves him I don't see them necessarily giving 10 to 20 million dollars per star to keep around Jennifer Lawrence and um McAvoy and Fassbender I mean while this cast for the new means is a new cast I don't see them necessarily honoring those contracts and trying to extend them out yeah I I don't either and you know this might be the the swan song of the Fox X-Men universe because as we'll discuss later there's not a lot of high expectations for Dark Phoenix I do enjoy uh, Simon Kinberg I believe is the director and writer Mm -hmm. of this movie but he clearly does not understand a lot of like what makes X-Men and superheroes very interesting. So we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, in other news, two seasons of Animaniacs have been ordered on Hulu, and they will be coming in 2020. I'm very excited about this news, but I'm also very... I don't know what to expect out of it, because Animaniacs is very topical, mm-hmm. and they, they're very helter-skelter and very out there. I mean, I think they can do a lot by being on Hulu and not on a basic network. What Hulu can let them do is they can bring a lot of the physical comedy into it, which has kind of been dulled down in recent years on cable and basic TV just because, uh, you know, shows like Tom and Jerry would never exist in today's networks. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you can be as crude as you want, apparently, but yeah. you can't do physical comedy. Yeah. No, the animes, uh, um, except because the it wasn't a show that ran its course necessarily. It was a show that was cut down because they didn't understand its audience. Um, the Animatics audience was very popular with the late teens and college crowd. Uh, was, it, was it Fox at the time, I believe? Yeah, it was uh, yeah. Fox, Fox Mornings, yeah. yeah Fox would kept going, coming back to them going like, why aren't eight-year-olds watching your show? And they're like, because we're not making a show for eight-year-olds? Okay, and then next year, why aren't eight-year-olds watching your show? So it was cut down, it was cut... Um, it was cut I, I was eight years old when that was on when it started, and I was watching the hell out of that show. <laughs> uh, Animaniacs, Tiny Toons, all that stuff mm-hmm. was like... Oh, yeah, and I recently rewatched it, and it is a vastly different show than I remember as a child. <laughs> the only reservations I have about it is that I read an article, I think it was earlier this week, that the original like director of the who had of the show hasn't been contacted about it yet like his son put out a tweet saying hey guys thanks for bringing back on maniacs but my dad who helped co-create half of those characters hasn't received an email guys <laughs> i was like huh yeah so, you would think you'd want someone to help keep continuity at least i know they've yeah. confirmed that uh tress mcneil rob paulson and um i'm spacing on wacko's voice actor's name yeah, uh, Rob Paulson, Jess Harlan. Jess Harnell. Harnell, thank Jess you. Jess Harnell, yes. And then uh, Maurice LaMarche is also confirmed as coming back as the brain. Rob Paulson also does Pinky, so you know, you've know you got those two peas in a pod right there. So you've got a pretty good portion of the stuff that people remember. Yeah, I, I if, if they can keep it within the spirit of the show, obviously it's going to be different. Shows evolve, things change. As long as it's... In, in sync with what they had done previously, I'm okay with it. Personally, one of my favorite bits was the uh, good idea, bad idea. And I've learned this within the last probably five years. The narrator of good idea, bad idea mm-hmm. is Tom Bodet. Tom Bodet. You know that name because he'll keep the light on for you at Motel 6. Oh, God, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, flashbacks. Flashbacks to childhood. This is bad. <laughs> you you go back and listen to that now, and all you all you want to hear is like, "I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll keep the light on for you." 
it kind of reminds me of um, when I found out that Mr. Conductor on Shiny Time Station was George Carlin. Found that out in high school, and I was just like, oh, no. Not I, I found that out very young. My, my uh. aunt was actually watching an HBO <laughs> special. I'm like, that's Mr. Conductor. Why is he saying fuck so much? <laughs> What's fantastic is then having realized that in high school and re-watching some of the specials, he points that out very casually whenever he does his I'm talking to kids voice. And it's like, why was that familiar? And then someone's like, well, it was Mr. Conductor. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I'm just I'm excited that they announced that Peaking the Brain shorts will continue to be in the show. Yeah. And if I can get one or two Wheel of Morality, turn, 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 what is the lesson that we should learn? <laughs> that would be fantastic. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they will bring those back, too. <laughs> I'm wondering uh, what they'll update the, the theme song to since Bill Clinton will no longer be playing the sax. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> some about Donald Trump tweeting. I'm sure. Well, if if it, that's that's it, the hard part. That's the part that's really going to be tough to translate. Is how do you bring old school characters like Gacko, Wacko, and Dot into the modern age with tweeting and cell phones and all that? That's going to be weird. Yeah, it, it's that's kind of the part that bothered me. Has bothered me a little bit about Ducktales. Is I've really enjoyed the Ducktales reboot, but it's there's still something slightly off with it it's not that the three one of the things is bothering me is huey that, dewey and louie are like normal talking people well yeah that's one thing bothering me but also the other thing that bothered me is that because they want to include um webby uh, webby thank you because they're including webby so much i've noticed that most of the episodes are like webby and two and for some reason they jettison one of the kids to do something else and <laughs> then they catch up with him like he's been like tweeting in the corner or like drawing i'm like that's kind of weird and then i've realized oh it's because they're including webby more which they should because webby is um, Webby's a very underrated character from she the is. first series. Um, she is, and she's really fitting. They're doing her role. They've they've matured her character, but also done a, a pivot with her, and she fits so well. And is probably the most engaging character on the show. Well, isn't she supposed to be some kind of like recluse? Like she's just so weird and quirky that mm-hmm. no one is friends with her, but she does all these amazing things. Yeah, like she does karate, and she's super smart. Yeah, and that has worked really well because she's trying to fit in, and now they have this new character who's like a slightly older duck teenage girl. They're playing it off well that she that Webby wants the recognition and doesn't quite get enough of it from you know um, um, Huey, Huey, uh, Huey. from Mr. Scrooge. Okay. Even though though Mr. Scrooge has spent like she spent her entire life with him, but he's not really paid attention to her. So it's worked really well, but there's still something slightly off with the fact that I'm watching Ducktales and it's modern times and they're talking about like ai technologies and robots and they have all this weird stuff and it's well, not i mean they kind of had that sort of stuff especially yeah. with like gizmo duck and there's still something kind of off with it yeah there's, it's a, there's a little gem missing that doesn't quite fit yeah um speaking of things that are really weird uh my daughter disney has changed uh avenues they run they used to have a, a specific disney junior app mm-hmm. and now they've consolidated everything into this disney now app Hmm. And so as a two-year-old, she has a little trouble navigating that sort of thing because she used to be able to just poke the Disney Junior app and be able to have all her shows. Yeah. Now she has to, like, do Disney Channel, Disney XD, then Disney Junior. And so she just, the first time she saw it, she saw Disney Channel, Mickey Mouse, okay, click. And it's this really weird, like, almost Rocco's Modern Life kind of animated Mickey Mouse. Oh, you've seen that one. It's really weird. Like, I I personally, I think it's great. Yeah. But for my two-year-old, not so much. (laughs) There, there was one episode where uh, Donald needed to migrate south uh, before winter came. Otherwise, he was going to die. And he's like molting and his beak <laughs> fell off. And, like, I think the biggest thing that bothers me about that show, though, is that Goofy looks super gross. I saw your 
weird new animation one and i watched maybe like 30 seconds i'm like i can't do it i'm out i'm out Mm -mm. Mm -mm. i think it's okay it's it goes it harkens back to like some of that physical comedy stuff Mm -hmm. but it's also really weird a little bit gross like uh one episode i just saw today actually was minnie lost a hot dog that she and mickey were sharing on a date and it just like bounced around the entire city and it ended up in the mouth of a lion and mickey ended up like making the lion spit it out and he gave it to her and he's like i found your hot dog my lady and they shared the hot dog and she gave him a big old smooch and you know went on with their day it's just that's super weird and kind of gross people i'm not sure that disney is actually aware of what they're doing with a lot of their tv series (laughs) is it was it uh is that one of their xd shows or no it's straight disney channel oh yeah it's just called mickey mouse i think but yeah that's that's enough of that we like our tangents but yeah uh, Animaniacs, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm excited on the surface, but I'm very wary just because, again, updating something from almost 30 years ago now is, well, by the time 2020 rolls around, it'll be very close to 30 years. I think it'll be 25 years. It's it's very dangerous and a very slippery slope, but it already has a two-year or two-season order, so we're going to get two years of this regardless. In other news, things that are coming back, Young Justice creator and co-producer, or co-creator and uh, co-producer Greg Wiseman uh, tweeted out in a, an AMA, Young Justice will probably be out Q4 2018, so that's any time between September and December, mm-hmm. uh, which is not that surprising. Um, they're, I think they said that they're, they've got about half the season in the can and they're working on the other half. Oh, wow. Uh, but it's also going to be an extended season, I think they said. It's going to be like 26 or 28 episodes. Really? Yeah, which the the first two seasons were 21 and I think 23 episodes. Hmm. So they're going about three to five extra episodes. Uh, but they also have to... They're launching in at the same time as the Titans TV show. Mm. So the Titans TV show has to shoot, edit, and do a lot of post-production, get some special effects in there as well. And then DC also has to continue to work on building this streaming service that they're attaching these two shows to hmm. but I'm, I'm assuming we'll get some kind of comic-con trailer uh for san diego comic-con where they'll be like dc streaming service debuting here with yep. young justice and titans yeah and those bastards would probably get to watch the pilot episode of each and piss me off uh, don't don't tell me that i didn't even <laughs> think about that uh, and don't forget they have their new cell phone blocking technology so all we're gonna get is a bunch of tweet reactions and someone doing a rough breakdown and arguing i'm honestly about okay lines. with that i yeah Someone tweeted out the Infinity War trailer, and it's fine. Um, there's not much in the San Diego Comic-Con footage that wasn't shown in the trailer. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything here for those that didn't see it. Um, I think it's whatever. I'm okay with the cell phone blocking technology because it, yeah. it's it's stuff meant for the fans there that waited and paid to be there. Yeah. And typically, especially if it's DC, they will upload that stuff right away anyway. Yeah. I know. It's just... It's going to suck a little bit. It's going to be like, damn it! <laughs> you uh, bastards who have money. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have Disney is prepared for the Han Solo solo movie called Solo, A Star Wars Story. They're prepared for that movie to bomb. Considering the turmoil that movie has reportedly gone through, it's not all that surprising. Did you read the synopsis that they released on like Tuesday? No, I didn't. I, I've not had a chance to really do a lot of internet searching. Han Solo, the world, you know, the galaxy's most famous smuggler, or whatever the hell they did, 
we'll you know we'll meet Chewbacca for the first time and run into Gambler Lando Calrissian. That's basically it. Instead of just having him and Chewbacca just hang out, already be friends, life partners, whatever the heck it is that they actually do in that ship, I don't care. All right, so do we really the- need to actually see them become friends? I just pulled up the IMDb. Board the Millennium Falcon and journey to a galaxy far, far away in Solo, a Star Wars story. An adventure with the most beloved scoundrel in the galaxy. Yep. Through a series of daring escapades Mm -hmm. deep within a dark and dangerous criminal underworld, Han Solo meets his mighty future co-pilot, Chewbacca, and encounters the notorious gambler, Lando Calrissian, in a journey that will set the course of one of Star Wars saga's most unlikely heroes. Do we really need to meet Chewbacca? (laughs) Yes, it's a Han Solo origin story. They're going to tell us the story of how he got the dice. They're going to tell us the story of how he got the Falcon. They're going to tell us the story of how he and Lando We know how he got the Falcon. He won it. (laughs) They're going to tell us how he ran the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. Oh, he's gonna he or, how did. he's gonna meet Han, uh, Chewbacca. We know that. And somewhere down the line, he's gonna run into three PO and R two D two. Gosh damn it! You know they're going to do that. <laughs> Why? Come on. I I don't care what the movie is. Khaleesi's going to be there for some reason. We don't know why. She ruined, you know, she helped ruin Terminator. She's probably not going to do much in this movie. Why do we need to meet Chewbacca? We already met him. Some people don't know who Chewbacca is. Watch episode three. He and Yoda are pals. Because for some reason, out of nowhere, very specifically, Yoda has to look at the camera and go, thank you, Chewbacca. (laughs) Because Chewbacca helped keep the seagulls away from him. Kashyyyk is notorious for their seagull problem. Ron Howard does not inspire me. I like Ron Howard. He seems like a very cool guy. He, you know... I love him in Arrested Development. Yeah, he was he was great in Arrested Development. He was great in that 70... Not 70 show. He was great in that 50 show. <laughs> we'll call it Happy Days. Andy Griffith. There you go. He was great in Andy Griffith. You know, he has really decent movies. I really think that the Rush movie he directed a few years ago with Chris Hemsworth, Vaseline and Reddit, that was a really good movie. I've heard great things about that. I think it was on Netflix for a while, but I never got a chance to watch it. Um, In the Heart of the Sea, I actually really <clears throat> liked that movie, the Moby Dick The not-Moby Dick movie? Yeah, it was great. It actually was dark as hell. They actually talked about them doing cannibalism things. I was expecting that to be just kind of glossed over a little, like the actual that they resorted to cannibalism and ate each other. No, they fully embraced that. And I'm like, wow, that's impressive. But he's not who I envisioned for a Star Wars movie. And I don't need to know how he met Chewbacca. I mean, come on, just... But it's written by... The screenplay is written by the guy who wrote the screenplay for Empire. Yes, it's also written by the guy who did Dreamcatcher. <clears throat> you know, the guy who did not think of a better term than shit weasels for what was going on with those... Ter- no, it's Stephen King movie, whatever. <laughs> So yeah, Disney's prepared for this movie to bomb anyway. Oh, you know I'm going to hate watch this movie. <laughs> oh yeah, so we, we have to go see this movie for the podcast, if nothing else. <laughs> and uh, I mean, there's so many things out there. Like uh, the reason Lord and Miller got fired was because the guy they cast to play Han Solo, Alden Ehrenreich, was like, uh, they're making us do a lot of improv. And Kathleen Kennedy and a bunch of other Lucasfilm execs have come out and said that this is like the greatest Star Wars screenplay ever written. But now also it's being rumored out there that this is like an unworkable screenplay. Yeah. So which is it? And then, uh, but yeah, Alden Ehrenreich came out and he said, there's too much improv here. And so he ratted out the guys because they were deviating too much from the script. 
And a lot of people think that he came out and read it out on a Lord and Miller because he's not an improv actor. But there's also rumors coming out that he's maybe just not a good actor in general because there was an acting coach on set. There, yeah, before that all, any of that happened, there was an acting... There have been long-term rumors that there have been an acting coach on set since, like, mid-April because he apparently doesn't know how to act very well. There's also another rumor that came out that he, the only reason he was hired is because um, Spielberg said he is actually really good. Then I'm thinking about it. Steven Spielberg hasn't exactly launched a lot of people's careers in terms of acting. <laughs> Steven Spielberg is an amazing director, but he's not necessarily known as an actor's director. So who knows? We I, will definitely review this one, and uh, it'll be fun, <laughs> if nothing else. Well, here's the thing. I really do hope it's a good movie. It's just... I don't need every single thing explained to me. You know, I, I don't like, like I to said, be stone fed this is the plot hole trilogy. <laughs> That's, that is my viewing on all of this, is that it's going to be, we're fixing little things that people have questions about. Like Rogue One. Why is there an exhaust port that goes directly to the reactor core? Because all ships have bad, have bad sections in them. They're all weak points. Come on, no one expected the Titanic nope. to sink. <laughs> but sure enough, you run a you know you run a kitchen knife along it long enough, it's gonna sink. <laughs> and now we have to figure out how and why the the Millennium Falcon ran the Kessel run in less than twelve parsecs. I swear, I because swear. everyone yeah. knows that a parsec is a measure of distance, not a measure of time. No, I swear to God, I wasn't it on this podcast we talked about like what my dream for a, a Han Solo movie would have been or something like that. Where I talked about how the Millennium Falcon apparently is going to be in every single Star Wars movie. I mean, that's just how it's going to happen. Well, it's not in one, two, or three. Well, I meant the future ones. For some <laughs> reason, even though the ship's a piece of junk. It's not in Rogue One. Are you sure it's in Rogue One? I thought it was in Rogue One. I swear it was like somewhere there was like one of them was like a brief shot of like one, uh, well, a Corellian freighter somewhere. Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Jurassic World 2 has reportedly been acknowledged as... Um, setting up for a sequel, per a comic book resources story that I found, uh, Fallen Kingdom won't end on a cliffhanger, but it will set up a third film, which to me says cliffhanger. Yeah. So uh, the quote that I have here from Colin Trevorrow, who is not directing this, but he's a producer on it. He said, at the end of this movie, it's not a cliffhanger, but it's designed for people to want to know what's going to happen next. Whereas the earlier Jurassic Park movies had pretty clear definitive endings, they were pretty much episodic. In working with Derek Connolly, my co-writer, we were also thinking about where it was going in the future. Why does everything have to be setting up something? That's where every Spider-Man movie has failed leading up to uh, leading up since Spider-Man 3. Spider-Man 1 and 2 were both very episodic and they worked wonderfully. Yep. Spider-Man 3 was trying to set more up. Mm -hmm. Failed. Amazing Spider-Man. Okay, but still obviously setting something up. Mm -hmm. Amazing Spider-Man 2. Failed. It's a dinosaur movie, man. You're overthinking it. Yeah, people like to watch dinosaurs. You need, There's a very successful formula for a successful Jurassic Park movie. You did it in the last one. Yeah, you did it in the last one. The T-Rex shows up and eats somebody. <laughs> as long as you include that. And you have some raptors. You have a raptor scene. You have a raptor scene. That, that's pretty much all you need. The first one, T-Rex ate some stuff. The second one, T-Rex ate a lot of stuff. Third one, T-Rex got his neck, Britain, necks, uh, its neck broken. Not a successful movie. Fourth one, T-Rex ate something. <laughs> there you go. You really don't need to set up. I mean, we're not going to go to these movies going like, I wonder who the T-Rex will eat next. It's more like, ooh, we're going to watch a T-Rex eat somebody. 
there's a simple formula here, man. T Rex should have eaten Claire in her high heels. Uh, if only. T Rex has gotten slow in her old age. <laughs> I still like that it's the same one, though. <laughs> that is a nice touch, and I like that she has her battle scars, but it's also so fucking stupid <laughs> that she can't catch up to someone running in high heels who has been running around in the heat all day. Mm-hmm. She's probably dehydrated, she's probably hungry. I don't know how she. Uh, no. I don't know. I, Twenty-four bullshit right there. I, it's just it bothers. Cell phone reception everywhere. <laughs> the funny thing about that is, is that um, they're talking about how like one of the most unrealistic things of, of the X Files, the original series, you're watching it, is the cell phone signals in the middle of bunkers in the middle of nowhere. Until somebody pointed out, yeah, that was the old style CDMA or whatever um, broadcasting channels that didn't have to include any data, just voice. So it makes sense. Now, if they have smartphones, it would not work. I was like, oh, this is about... And then I was That's, about like... Of all the things you're going to nitpick in the X-Files, <laughs> they're using cell phones inside a concrete bunker. Yeah, I don't think that'll work. They should have a beeper. The beeper is meant for that. <laughs> There's one fan. That all is here. Looks down. Well, now I gotta get to a payphone. What the hell? If only the smoking man was here. <laughs> Looks out. Beeper says, hello, boobs. Ah, oh, yes, I know who this is. Scully, <laughs> talk to me. <laughs> we needed a mood change here, so we're gonna shift over to Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers has appointed Walter Hamada as the new head of DC Films, which I guess means he's replacing the very short-lived term of Jeff Johns? Because from my understanding, they gave Jeff Johns like full creative control on the, on the DC film side as well, which is part of the reason, allegedly, why Wonder Woman did so well, but yeah, also but... why Justice League was so mediocre. Yeah, isn't this sort of like their third head of production or something like that? Something like that, yeah. Like I, I don't know what DC's really trying to get at. I guess they're already offering Batman out to Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, basically saying, if, if you want it, it's yours. No. If you want it, we'll just replace Ben Affleck with you. No. Uh, that's that's the report I've heard uh, through multiple media sites like Comic Book Resource no. and uh, a few others. Jake Gyllenhaal freaks me out. I mean, if he, he I like him. He's a he's a really good actor, but I I feel like he's got a very recognizable face as far as like a Batman would go. Punchable, yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, not as punchable as Jared Leto as the Joker. Uh, no, I I I don't know what it is, but like. In the, so Jake Gyllenhaal and Maggie Gyllenhaal, I like them as actor. Like I liked, I liked Secretary, and I liked Donnie Darko, and I liked Southpaw. Maggie Gyllenhaal has been in some other stuff that I really liked. I just, the Dark Knight. Oh, that's right, wasn't she? Oh, that's she right. Replaced, she replaced uh, Katie Holmes. Yeah. And then, blow, then was blown up. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> for a seven for a twelve year old movie. Yeah, but it's whenever I see them next to each other, they creep me out. If they look a little too much like each other. They make me think that, like, I don't know, for some reason, I don't know if they hang out together, but I really feel like they if they hang out together, they hang out way too much together. Like, a little too much, the siblings shouldn't be hanging out that much with each other kind of thing. Like, you're, you're going to go see your sister again? Didn't we just see her yesterday? That's weird. You know, <laughs> but I don't know. But Jake Gyllenhaal, I mean, I liked, really, really like Southpaw. And the um, whatever was that one where he was, like, the creepy reporter who, who wants to kill people or something like that. Or whatever, like Blood Runner or whatever that movie was from a few years ago. I, I liked him. I just don't want him as Batman because I don't I don't want to be creeped out by Batman. Um, and he does the creepy dude really well, and that bothers me. You know, it'd be like, it'd be like if Walter Goggins was suddenly named as Batman. I would prefer Jake Gyllenhaal over John Hamm. 
Gyllenhaal has room to grow into the role. Um, I mean, DC seems really set on this old Batman thing mm. where Jake Gyllenhaal can come in and be a little old, but mm. at the same time, he can grow older into it. Whereas John Hamm is older than Ben Affleck, and he just, he just looks so much more different than Ben Affleck, too. No, John Hamm, well, John Hamm also looks younger than Ben Affleck. I didn't realize he was older than him. In my opinion, he looks younger than him. I like John Hamm. I am... Um, I really liked what um, he was in. He was in, I don't think he was in Bridesmaids, um, but he was in one of those movies with. Um, he was in one of those comedy movies as one of like the foils, and yeah, I really liked him in that. And he used keeping was up good. with the Joneses. Yeah, he was going to be keeping up with the Joneses. Uh, he was good in Baby Driver, even though I didn't like that he was a bad guy. Um, Spoilers. Uh, well, yeah. Well, it's a six-month-old movie. Uh, <laughs> a little different than a ten-year-old movie. Excuse me. <laughs> and then uh, I liked him in Mad Men, even though I hated that show. And I stopped watching it, but I liked him. He just, he looks too, he would be good Superman if he was 15 years younger. He's too dapper. Yeah, he looks like he would be Superman 15 years ago. Like, he, he has that frame of, like, yeah. he could build up the muscle tone well. But he also, it, it's the chin structure and the hair. He looks like he should be, like, sitting on, like, a sideline. He looks like he should be in Mad Men. That's probably yeah. why I cast him. And even though he's not in Mad Men anymore, I still see him and go, like... Your 50s classic looking dude. You really should have a cape. But red. And some <laughs> red tights. <clears throat> well, blue tights, red underwear. So, Walter Hamada has mostly been known, getting back on topic here, <laughs> uh, Walter Hamada has mostly been known for his producer uh, work. Uh, he's largely known for being attached to It, 47 Ronin, Annabelle, and the Michael Bay reboot of A Nightmare on Elm Street in 2010. I believe most of these are Warner Brothers properties. Uh, he also has been a part of 47 Ronin, uh, Sorority Boys, a couple of the Final Destination movies, The Incredible Burt Wonderstone. Uh, so, I mean, he's mostly delved into horror, but some really weird comedies as well. Yeah. But again, I don't know much about how he feels about the comic book side of things. If he's the next Kevin Feige, great. You yeah. guys, DC did a great job with that. Mm-hmm. But the problem with DC is that they... I don't know if it's the Warner Brothers execs or what's going on where there's just some kind of disconnect between what they want to do and what ends up getting put to film. There's just something that's not cohesive between the the filming process and the production process. Or I should say distribution process. I'm not sure what the hell they're doing. Um, I'm not sure if it's necessarily like they need a fanboy up in charge or... Well, that's what they had in Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder was a fanboy, but he was a fanboy of the the dark and heavy stuff, and uh, obviously that wasn't good enough for the general audiences. Well, the thing is, I don't know if like, they're looking for like a, like somebody who's a fanboy who who can be in charge, or they're just really way too worried about the bottom line. Because the way Marvel, um, the MCU runs right now, is basically they have total uh, autonomy, so long as the budget doesn't exceed a certain amount without approval. And they they turn a profit. Whereas DC right now, it seems like they're like you can have whatever budget you want as long as you hit a billion dollars each time. You can do both, right? We'll give you a billion, you make a billion, give a billion, make a billion. You be good at that. <laughs> and then you know they look at the opening weekend and go, "You only made 120 million. You're fired. Next person up in line. Here you go." <laughs> well, the Flash movie has had has gone through three directors at this point too. Yep. So you got to wonder what's going on there. I think they're trying to reboot with the Flash movie, and no one wants to come on to a reboot movie. Well, yeah, rumor is what now they have, um, they put in charge of the, well, I think they announced that they put in charge of the Flash movie is now the 
two writers from Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. Yeah. Two of them, and I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. You're giving two guys who know how to write, you're giving them a $200 million movie. <laughs> okay. We'll see how this one goes. Yeah. Continuing with DC's weird decisions on things, uh, Justice League has been announced for its home releases. It will be releasing on digital on February 13th, so it's only a few weeks away. The Blu-ray release is March 13th, which is kind of weird. Usually the digital is only a couple weeks before. This is a full month, so that's kind of weird. And then uh, it's also going to include a bonus scene, which is teased within the actual cut of the movie. Uh, The scene is apparently a very integral part of Superman's story, which begs the question, why wasn't it in the actual movie? So what is the scene? The teaser of it is him walking out of the quote-unquote Fortress of Solitude in his new suit. So it's basically going to be him going from Kansas to the Fortress of Solitude to help in the fight with Steppenwolf. Please, please let them forget in their in their mighty wisdom. Please let them forget to digitally remove the mustache. <laughs> because that would be fantastic. You know that's not going to happen. They're just going to open up for more memes. <laughs> Whatever. And then in other home release news, we have Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay, the next animated feature coming out in the DC animated universe. I've watched the trailer a couple times since I've been home from my road trip, and this does absolutely nothing for me. The only character I care about in the movie is Harley Quinn voiced by Tara Strong, appropriately. But she's in her stupid corset costume and short shorts and high, like, thigh-high stockings. I can't stand that costume (laughs) because you don't need it and it's not practical for being in a gigantic fight. And they're also doing skinny Amanda Waller, which I don't understand. And there's also graphic nudity, which means there's going to be male dong. Yeah, it's rated R with noted brief nudity and brief graphic nudity. Like, two separate notes. So we might see Harley's boobs, and then we'll see... Every fanboy's dream. And then we'll see Death, uh, Deathstroke's donk? Hey, you never know. It could be... Uh, who, what's the tiger's guy? tiger guy? Tony the Tiger. Um, They're great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I forget the tiger guy's yeah. name at this point. I know he was on an episode of Arrow as well. I think he was even in their Suicide Squad episode. Maybe we'll, maybe they'll switch it up on us and they'll give us Killer Frost's boobs instead of Harley's because everyone's expecting Harley's. Yeah. But they also announced <clears throat> along with that that uh, the next DC animated movie is going to be Death of Superman, which is kind of weird because back in like 2008, I believe, or 2009, they did Superman Doomsday, which is basically Death of Superman. Right. It's just not very comic accurate, but it looks like they're giving... The Death of Superman comic book, the Dark Knight Returns treatment, where they're going to split it up into two 90-minute movies where you get the Death of Superman and then you get the Reign of the Supermen. I really hope they go with that like, 90s aesthetic they did with what the actual comics had for Reign of the Superman because it was so gloriously 90s. <laughs> Superman had his mullet, super hairy chest. Yeah. I mean, if they want to, re- if they want to prepare us for a reboot by killing Superman again... That's fine. As long as everyone reacted to the death of Superman so well in Batman v Superman, let's yeah. do it in an animated movie. You don't give the hoplite the spear. I don't understand why she's basically a hoplite at this moment. She has the small shield. She has the greaves. She has the little the Greek skirt thing. That greaves move that she does with her bracelets or whatever. Yeah, that 
like where she clangs them just yeah. makes no sense to me. It doesn't. And the motion that Gal Gadot puts with it just it looks so awkward. It does. Like that's the only thing I don't like about the Wonder Woman is that they made her like clanging her bracelets together a thing. Like, oh it creates a giant concussive blast. Okay. Why? Don't know, but when they did it when they <clears throat> sorry to keep interrupting no, you. Fine. When they did it in the movie, like she went up to block a sword swipe yeah and it wasn't because she clasped them together it's because someone hit the, the bracers so hard yeah with the sword that it created a concussive blast that makes sense yeah that makes sense but no they've got her like doing this weird like wind up and clang and then boom okay no i'm just saying that she's, she's a hoplite give her the spear she can kill doomsday but no superman had to maybe we'll one day we'll get the Zack snyder cut of justice league no <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i want that either no 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 here's the thing i want that just because I would love to see like him, because he seems to have basically he's wandered off doing his own thing, grieving, doing small movies on his cell phone or whatever it is he's been doing lately. But it would be so wonderfully passive aggressive if like he just somehow leaked his cut of the movie, and it became like the Richard Donner work print of Superman two, and we're all like, "What's that? That's fantastic." <laughs> probably won't be. It'd be probably a horrible pile of mess, just like this first one. But whatever. I think there's a reason they cut. Probably 40 minutes out of that movie. But Yeah, but the same thing as the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2 is so good. Yeah, but they let Richard Donner go for very different reasons. Yeah, they were dicks. <laughs> so, speaking of people being dicks, <laughs> not that Collider is, um, but Collider has apparently re- reported on a sighting of Tom Holland on set of Sony's Venom movie. No. Yeah, I, I really hope that he's just, like, fanboying eyes. Like, I no. want to see this. There's this really weird and awful video from, like, a Brazil comic expo where uh, the the production team is doing some kind of promotional video for the fans, and they reveal, like, the, the Venom artwork uh, for the movie. And, like, we are Venom. Yeah. But the what Sony released from that that uh panel is super weird like it's really kind of creepy because they use like the same shot of people cheering Mm -hmm. and people are like constantly cheering in the background yeah i'm like this guy wouldn't be talking right now if these people were still cheering and it just it doesn't make any sense to me it it just oh god they i don't know that movie's gonna bomb so bad we're gonna talk about in a little bit but if tom holland's spider-man is in that movie and that connects it to the mcu I'm going to be a little pissed. I don't want to connect it to the MCU because it just doesn't make sense at this point in time. I don't need more splintered, random, weird factions of where things are because it's already getting to the point it's a little awkward that S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Netflix universe do not actually exist in the Marvel universe. It's going to be slightly awkward if Venom and um, Black and Silver don't exist. But if Tom Holland, you know, Spider-Man shows up out of nowhere, like swinging through the background or something, I don't need to start trying to put mental gym, uh, gymnastics as a why Tony didn't come and blast this guy in the face or why Cap isn't doing something or why this weird lizard creature is not being looked into in hanging out in New York by Jessica Jones. I don't need this. I don't want this. I swear if Tom Holland's doing it as like, the way Chris Evans has been doing the whole like, hey, you get one kind of thing for me for fun, I, and it doesn't count as a contract. No, 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 no. Yeah, I, it'd be its own thing. Let it just die in its corner. When Amy Pascal was originally talking about the Venom movie, she said that it's going to be like MCU adjacent. To me, is just her super bitchy way of like trying to coerce Kevin Feige or Marvel into. 
I still think that this movie is just a big game of chicken being played by Sony and Marvel mm-hmm. because I th- I think that Sony's trying to bait Marvel to buy the properties back. Like I think Sony is just kind of like we don't know what we're doing. We just want the money. Mm-hmm. Let us just set, just sell just give make us give us an offer. Yeah. Give us the money and we will give you this stuff back. Cuz I, I Silver and Black's going to be terrible. Whatever Sinister Six thing they're going to do is going to be terrible. Yeah. Venom is going to be awful. Venom is a movie that is going to have less than a 365-day production timeline. That's bad. You know what other movie had a 360, less than 365-day production timeline? Just like- Twilight. The Twilight script was written in two weeks. Yeah, so that's that's the Venom thing here. Um, so anyway, our topic for the week... Uh, that's the that's it for the news section and then our, our tangents. But I'm sure we'll have more tangents going on here. Our theme is expectations for 2018. We've taken uh, I've taken eight movies that I have expectations of. Obviously, one of which Alex and I share. We we've skipped over a couple of them, uh, obvious ones like Avengers: Infinity War and um, Black Panther and Ant Man and the Wasp. They're MCU movies. They have high expectations going in, regardless of what you think of them. Um, everyone has high expectations of them. So we're we're doing other one, other movies, and um, we're going to start with. Uh, we have high expectations. We have movies that will flop, and I have a wild card. I don't know, Alex, if you chose a wild card. I did. Okay, so yeah, so Alex has a wild card as well. So we're going to go through those, and that'll be the show. So because we both have it, we're going to start with. Jurassic World, and that is a movie that we both think will flop. Yeah. I think for different reasons, though. I think you're just saying it's going to flop because you don't think it'll be as financially successful as Jurassic World 1. Yeah, that's my that's what I'm classifying as. I think it's going to make money. I just don't think it's going to make $1.6 billion worldwide. Was it like $550 million in the U.S.? I don't think it's going to do that. I think it's going to be one of those... We've There's been this weird pattern lately of movie sequels where they've been drastically underperforming. Like, um, we had the Planet of the Apes reboot franchise. Each one, like, got better and better, and they did worse and worse. Yeah, it's like, that's that's the weird thing about it. It's like, the, the critical quality, the, the, the budget behind, uh, behind them, the... Um, the graphics behind them just got better and better. The stories were the p- passion of the fans was. But the first one was a modest hit. The second one did a little bit better. And the third one completely collapsed. It did nothing and was gone. Even though it was praised as the best of them. And it's and there's been this weird kind of like, um, I'm not saying I expected it to, but Daddy's Home too, Massively underperformed. Even though they basically did the exact same formula, exact same window of doing it, and you had you know more star power with Mel Gibson and the dude from Thirty Rock. I forget his name. Third Rock. Third Rock. Third Rock from the Sun. Thank you, John Lithgow. John Lithgow. And so it's this weird thing where people show up for you know a lot of people will show up and then suddenly disappear. There's been other movies that have been doing that recently. Well, uh, you can even take into account The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. The Last Jedi no, yeah, is not that's... performing. I think it's up to I think three hundred million or maybe four hundred million less than. What the Force Awakens did, but I think that's largely because um, one, it has a little bit of sequelitis, and two, I think you couldn't reach that fever pitch that the Force Awakens hit when you announced the first time that you know Han Solo and Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia were going to be in a movie together for the first time. Yeah. Even though everyone only assumed that, they never actually announced that. Well, the Force Awakens. I mean, the Last Jedi is just a weird one because 
they were expecting it not to do as well, but they weren't expecting it to not do as well as it's been done. Like it's right now, it's barely ahead of Rogue One in terms of money, and that's not what they expected at all. They expected it to outperform it. I'm trying to figure out where its audience is, and I don't think there's an audience. And I am its audience. I was excited for the. I was excited for it because it was like it was coming out. I'm like yay, but then I saw its first trailer and I was like I would prefer to watch this on sci-fi channel because <laughs> i love bad movies of the week but i'm not paying 10 bucks to see it yeah uh, i just looked it up the rogue one did 532 million yeah and star wars the last jedi is just under 597 so it's about 40 million over yeah uh in probably they released in the same window december 16th for rogue one december 15th for the last jedi I don't see a week-by-week comparison here. So um, these numbers are through Box Office Mojo, so obviously numbers may vary. Yeah, that's that's kind of interesting. I didn't even think to look at it compared to Rogue One. Well, I, the only reason I'm thinking, thinking And those are U.S. Is, numbers. I'm sorry. Those are yeah. U.S. numbers, not global numbers. Yeah. Well, the only reason I was thinking about that is because um, <clears throat> it's already gone from China. Um, it, it would, It's had two weeks there, and China completely pulled it from the schedule because it wasn't making any money. All right, so moving on to high expectations. I'm going to go in chronological order. I'm not going to go in any kind of specific order. Uh, so chronologically, my first high expectation movie is Pacific Rim Uprising. I don't expect much out of this movie as far as storytelling goes, but I have high expectations of this movie just because I want it to be fun. And I feel like from what we've seen in the trailer, the only logical jump they can make as far as what's the next big thing they can do, they're going to make a Voltron. They're going to make a Megazord. Mm-hmm. They're going to do something that oh, yeah. that's going to be able to fight that big combiner mm-hmm. kaiju. And I I can't wait to see a gigantic, like, 150-foot-tall Jaeger that has been combined from all of the, like, the Gypsy, whatever the new one is, mm-hmm. um, Gypsy Bravo or whatever they're calling it. You know, all the other bits and pieces and other uh, Jaegers to fight this giant kaiju. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for that. Yeah, I, my only reservation with that movie is that uh, Guillermo del Toro um, had to step away from it so they could meet its budget, because you know he was obviously they were gonna he was requesting a salary above the you know, above what they wanted to give, but he's it's still his script it's still him shepherding it which makes me happy, and that theme song that they have from the first one, w- that they brought back and the way they just kind of mix the action with it and the story. Um, uh, Mako Mori is back, but in a different role, which I'm kind of concerned about because I really liked her character from the first one. It just looks like a fun ass movie. Yeah, I, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm hoping Ron Perlman's somewhere in that movie. Yeah. I mean, because he found his shoe, man. And that's all he was looking for. They got everyone else back. Why not want Ron Perlman for a, a little bit of exposition? Um, so my high expectation movie then is the new Halloween movie, mostly because it's Danny McBride, who's a ho- huge Halloween fan. He is writing it and helping shepherd this project. It It is coming out in that window, which is supposed to be really sweet, which is Halloween, um, October 19th. Um, they're ignoring all continuity from 3, 4, 5, 25, 37 reboots and all that stuff. And they're saying that this is a direct sequel to the second Halloween movie. Um, so they're pulling a Jurassic World. Yeah. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis is back as um, Laurie. And they also have brought back some other actors. I forget who their names are. But here's the, the weird part that I kind of like is they're bringing back the guy from the first movie who was The Shape. 
the guy who was in the Michael Myers mask. Um, even though he disinterrs, he doesn't, obviously isn't the actor. Be, I mean, if they ever unmask him, he's the he's not the guy behind the mask or anything like that. But they're bringing back him too. And basically, they're saying like Michael's been missing for all these years. Lori's lived a kind of covert life. She's you know everything is supposed to be gone, you know, and yet Michael returns. Um, I I don't necessarily like the Halloween movies because I just I saw the Jason movies first, and so I've always kind of considered Michael Myers a knockoff of Jason, even though it's the complete opposite of of factuality. Um, and my first real exposure to the Halloween movies was the terrible Rob Zombie movies, which I kind of liked but mostly hate. And then it was about a year ago, I actually watched the first one in its entirety. Just because I was like, oh, why are they going back to this? What the hell is this crap? And I watched it, and I was stunned by how that movie's just, it's so well directed. The first, from the first opening scene, the way it sets it all up, the acting is good, the direction, the music is creepy. It's, and so I am actually really kind of excited to see what this would bring. Yeah, I'm not a big horror movie fan, so I I don't know. Yeah, this is our, our expectation. So, <laughs> like that one's not even on my radar. So yeah. yeah. So going back to my flops, my flops are all pretty much later in the year. Although I'm sure there's going to be plenty of them. Uh, my first chronological flop here is Venom. <laughs> We've already discussed this one, and I just it's it's got a production time frame that is less than a year, and just again there's nothing in this movie that screams to me that it can be good uh you've you're combining storylines there's rumors that she venom could be in the movie as well as carnage and there's just like there's gonna be way too many venoms among other things if all these rumors are true there's nothing that can save this movie not even a tom hardy who is playing venom you you're cutting out spider-man who is quintessential to the origin story of venom uh there's been some set videos leaked where uh, I guess there's like more of a comedic moment where the the symbiote's going to be like fighting for control over Eddie Brock and they're going to be like trying to get out of a car but he's opening the door and they're getting in the car and I I don't know there's I don't think there's anything that can redeem this movie especially with as short of a time frame as they're putting this thing to script like they're still casting people for this movie so like I just there's no possible way this movie can be any good wait back up you're saying there's a leaked set video of a comedic moment where Eddie Brock tries to open a door and the symbiote... Oh, no, he's trying to get out, and the symbiote's trying to get him back in. And it's the uh, me, myself, and Irene fighting with yourself thing. That, Essentially, like, yes, in that moment. You, well, you know who actually does really great physical comedy for something like that? Steve Martin. <laughs> when he did it in um, with The Man with Two Brains. Or uh, me, myself, and Irene when is Jim Carrey. I don't want it. <sighs> Whatever. Okay. I'm only going to see this movie for the podcast. Yeah. Like, I feel yeah. like this movie should actually be coming out on that 420 date that like Super Troopers is coming out on. Yeah. <laughs> or you know April Fool's Day where you know they could have even had an even smaller production time frame. You know I'm sure the movie would have been just as good. So uh, this movie is going to flop. I'm sure it'll make okay money, especially considering I don't think that the budget is very big for this movie. I think it's going to kind of fall in line with Godzilla King of the Monsters, where a good portion of it is post-production. Yeah. So I'm sure they're already close to wrapping filming. But it, yeah, there's there's no possible way this movie can end up being good. There's going to be people that like it, but those are going to be the people that like anything Venom. Mm. You know, oh, he's got the tongue and he's got the he's got he's bulging with muscles and he's 
he's got the teeth, you know, Venom, yeah. Uh, for my flop, I'm going to go with a movie that's actually very near and dear to my heart, and I hate to say this, but Alita Battle Angel. Mostly because I love James Cameron. I'm a defender. I, uh, there was a podcast once that did, like, you know, like, um, who like, who was a better director, um, Quentin Tarantino or James Cameron? James Cameron. And I was yelling at them like James Cameron. And, and the argument that I would stand on and defend, because they both have pretty slim actually directing profiles, is that James Cameron has arguably one bad movie. Quentin Tarantino has arguably like three or four. <laughs> but Alita Battle Angel is something that I've been hearing about for like 12 years. I've been hearing he's been waiting for the technology to be right, waiting for this production to be right, waiting for the, you know, he said he's had the script sitting done in his desk since like 99. He takes it out occasionally, dusts it off, punches it up a little bit, puts it back in. But the technology's not been there. But then, oh, after he saw Gollum, he knew he could be start working on his blue people. And then it turns out that he was going to switch back to Alita, but then Blue People and more money was, you know, a billion dollars was dropped in his lap to do four more of them, and he went, okay. So I really, I, I've read some of the anime, and I like it, and I like the concept behind it, and he does really well with empowering female figures without necessarily sexualizing them. Um, he did that well with uh, Linda Hamilton, Taking her from Terminator 1 to 2, completely different characters, completely empowering. Um, Ripley and Aliens. Yeah, Ripley and Aliens. Uh, Dark Angel, I could say he did that. He did fairly well with that. True Lies, I would say he did well with that. Jamie Lee Curtis, an actual action hero kind of thing, where you follow her arc. There's that scene in True Lies, which I love. And anytime I see True Lies on TV, I'll like kind of stop it, especially if it's around the scene. It's where they're interrogating her after they capture her. And he, the way he's able to just hold on the camera and you see why she was think, considering an affair. And it's fantastic because you... Arnold Schwarzenegger's doing Arnold Schwarzenegger shit. But she was looking for something in her life. She was looking for a bit of freedom, something she could claim as her own. And you completely break and understand that she is just a woman who is looking for recognition in her life that's been swallowed up by a husband who's busy... A daughter who's is who is Elijah Dushku. Yeah, who's like who's like you know she's already like a teenager, and she's <clears throat> looking for something beyond her the steno pool life, and it's fantastic. And he makes her an empowered person. So I'm looking at this, and you know, guy builds a robot, and she's looking to find herself. I know he can do that well, but for some reason they gave a budget of like 190 million dollars, and they gave it to Rob Rodriguez, which I like Rob Rodriguez. I he makes schlock, and I love his schlock. But that trailer does nothing for me. And the freaky eyes thing does nothing for me. Which apparently, James Cameron put that in there. That was him saying, like, we need to have her have the anime eyes. Because she's a robot and she's not human. And you can do that. And I think in his hands, he could do it. James Cameron could do it. Because if you watch Avatar, the one, there's one scene. Because he was very, very good about keeping the humans and the... Um, whatever the hell they're called, the blue people. He's very good about keeping them separate. Navi. The Navi. He's good about keeping them separate. He's good about not breaking that... Um, the uh, boundary. The, he's, yeah, the boundary. They're always in the, they're, they're always in the mech suits or they're in, or they're in, the, uh, in their, fighter, their fighter helicopters. But there's one scene where it would have broken everything, which is when she goes and rescues him from his little pod because the whole the air is getting in there and he's choking to death. And when she pops in there and she opens it up and she picks him up, 
and he was smart about the way he framed it, he was smart about the graphics, he was smart about how he did it, that you buy this blue person picking up this frail human because they had Sam Worthington and they had all that that frail stuff that made him like, you know, because he, um, he was atrophying because he was spending so much time in there and not doing physical rehab. And she picks him up and cradles him and you believe there's a 12-foot person picking up this frail human and it works in that moment. There's not a single scene in that trailer where I went, she's a real person hanging out with real people. And that bothered me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the CGI, like I said when we first talked about this trailer, I thought it was a sequel to Final Fantasy The Spirits Within. Oh, yeah. It like, doesn't look much I, better. I, I, the humans don't look real. No. So it, it was just really weird and like glossy and yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that'll flop too. That'll fall in line with um, Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. Because I mean, it, it looks like a very similar storyline too. Like, Pretty much. Oh, I have to kill people while also trying to figure out who I am. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, here here's my heart guy oh, who God. I just met. <laughs> I know James Cameron's not really great with dialogue, but that's just a bad line. <laughs> uh, yeah so going back into the high expectations my next high expectations is incredibles 2 yes i feel like i feel like that's all i really have to say i mean i we don't we know pretty much nothing about this movie mm -hmm. i think we saw a little bit of uh the underminer fight and some screenshots that were leaked mm -hmm. uh or not leaked but like uh they were given away by like entertainment weekly like you can find them online um but yeah, we, we basically know the Underminer fight happens and that they find out that Jack-Jack has powers. So, that, yeah, I you know, all you have to do is tell me Brad Bird's back and it's The Incredibles too. So, uh, my high expectations. I, I think, honestly, that's my most anticipated movie just because um, while I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we've been doing this for 10 years. Yeah. I've been waiting for The Incredibles 2 for, what, 15 years? Gotta be about 15. Yeah, so it's, yeah... The, there, you got a, a recency bias towards the MCU, so like I just yeah, Incredibles too. I'm a, I, I'm curious, but I and I really really hope that uh, Ralph breaks the internet is a good movie, the Wreck It Ralph two movie. Um, mostly, I have some minor trepidations about it just because I really think there was just so much more they could mine with the arcade world and stuff like that because you know they really didn't they really didn't give much. Um, acknowledgement to like the ps2 n64 ps3 era you know because the ps3 era is now like 13 years back the xbox 360 era is like now like 12 13 years behind us um and that they're just hopping onto the internet i'm kind of a little concerned about how they might do that but record ralph was so good <laughs> and they you know confirmed that like um apparently it was like they wanted to have Mario in it, but Nintendo, Nintendo was, was was like, "You will not desecrate our franchise." And now that it was well, a, it's it's not even that. It's yeah. just that they're so hesitant to to give Mario out to anything anymore because mm -hmm. of the the nineties movie. Oh yeah, no. But now apparently Mario's gonna be, they're gonna acknowledge Mario in it. There's gonna be more stuff. Um, Every it, Disney princess ever is going to be in the movie. Um, oh yeah, that that was it. That um, someone tweeted. There's a scene with every different Disney princess ever waiting yeah. to like they're all getting ready in a room together or something like something that. Something like that. I can't remember exactly, yeah. but I think it's supposed to be like also a an Easter egg to the Oh My Disney website, which is not officially a Disney website, but they do get a lot of Disney exclusives. Yeah. Um but yeah, I think the only Disney princess that was not able to come back besides obviously like Snow White and uh um the original Cinderella and original Aurora, um Migna Wen tweeted out that she was not able to be. Oh no, she wasn't able to be at the expo. That's mm -hmm. all it was. 
but they had like every living Disney princess on stage besides oh, Ming-Na Wen. That's awesome. Um, when they announced all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, Ming-Na Wen will be back as Mulan, and I'm sure they'll have Ali E. Cravalho as Moana and all that. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, I'm just. I, I hope that they don't delve too much into memes and crap like that. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm, they're gonna avoid the emoji movie stuff. Yeah, I'm. They just, might acknowledge it, but yeah, I just I don't want to have an I I can't has cheeseburger reference and crap like that. I, I I just stick with the lovely video game humor. You know, I, I mean, I still love that for some reason that in this innocent pg-esque movie they have like a metal gear solid reference yeah. <laughs> it's so weird you know but i laughed i was like oh my god it's metal gear snake <laughs> <laughs> so i just realized we haven't been giving out the release dates for these movies mm-hmm. um whatever it's not a big deal most people know when these are coming out november <laughs> <laughs> incredibles is june 15th pacific rim is March 23rd, uh, Jurassic World is June 22nd, and Venom is October 5th, which, again, no one cares. Don't put that on your calendar, kids. Alita Bombs in July, I believe, on July 20th. <laughs> and Wreck-It Ralph become, is our Thanksgiving movie of November 21st. All right, so coming out November 2nd, taking the Thor Ragnarok spot this year, is X-Men Dark Phoenix. Oh, is this your bomb? This is my bomb. Okay. Uh, I, I don't see any reason why this movie, again, succeeds. Uh, Simon Kinberg is an amazing producer. I think he has great ideas, but I don't think when he's the guy behind the camera and uh, also the guy writing the script, he has he wants to keep things grounded. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing a movie like The Dark Phoenix, you can't keep things grounded because among other things, you have to deal with aliens and apparently they're also dealing with scrolls. Uh, this movie is like, the Phoenix Saga is largely supposed to take place in space, but I'm sure it's going to end up just on Earth again, and uh, Jean Grey will probably die. Uh, I mean, who really cares at this point? Jennifer Lawrence will have her dead face looking at the camera, and then occasionally she'll be blue, and then she'll be like, I'm going to go get my Red Sparrow paycheck. I'll see you guys later. That's another movie that's probably going to bomb in March of this year. Um, You mean her stunt double will be blue? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, there's just... I don't... After Apocalypse, I don't see any... The, Dark Phoenix is supposed to be Simon Kimberg's like, make-or-break moment. I mean, these X-Men movies have been very mediocre at best. I think First Class is the best one, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think that's far and away like the best one. I, I, I did not care for Logan last year. Uh, I don't get what people enjoyed about that movie. I thought it was just very boring and a lot of yelling. Um, I did not care for Days of Future Past. It was basically Professor X goes on an adventure with Logan and a hairless beast. And then mm. Beast decides that he can be the Hulk and will occasionally get mad and turn into the blue furball. And then he'll turn back. Uh, I don't like the fact that Beast is the Hulk, essentially, in these movies. Yeah. That's not the point of Beast. And I, I think that that's a big part of why I don't really care much for these movies. Um, if they're keeping the, the Dark Phoenix story grounded... I don't think there's anything they can really do to make this movie any good. There's Jessica Chastain is attached to it. No one really knows what she's playing. A lot of people think she might be playing a, a super scroll or the queen of the Shi'ar Empire. I don't care. You can unload as many stars as you want in this movie. I don't think you can do very well. Oscar Isaac was Apocalypse. Oscar Isaac is an Academy Award nominee. Jennifer Lawrence is in these movies. She's won an Academy Award. Don't care. <laughs> 
yeah, I, I'll see this movie again, but probably just see how bad it actually ends up being. Oddly enough, also coming out on July 20th, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Now, here's the thing about this. I'm not just saying that because, you know, it's a musical and I hate, I, hate, uh, I hate musicals. I don't. I actually love musicals. I like the first Mamma Mia movie. Um, it was, uh, my wife is more interested in it. But for some reason, I was walking by. It was like an hour into it, and Pierce Brosnan was trying to sing. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And I sat down, and I'm asking questions like, what's going on? Well, who's this? What's this? To feel eventually, she got mad, told me to be quiet and finish the movie. And then we restarted it. It's an endearing movie. It's a dumb movie. It's a fun movie. But Mama, here we go again. And pays respect to, um, to ABBA. Pays respect to the Broadway show it's on. I saw whatever the teaser, whatever it was, that was released a little while ago. I, I understand it made like six or $700 million. But no, we don't need the same movie told again. That the daughter this time is trying to figure out which one of these dudes knocked her up or whatever the hell the weird plot of this movie is. I, I don't care. But ABBA. I like ABBA. I don't need... They already put the best songs in the first one. Why are they doing this to me? I mean... Because then they can do Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, literally. Uh, no, I don't want this movie. And they're just going to bring back everybody. I mean, they're going to... I know Pierce Brosnan is going to belt out another bad tune. I know it was it not Colin Firth or whichever, whichever one of those British actors who was in the movie. Whichever one of them, I don't know. But it's going to be there and... Three gun. Ed Sheeran? Probably. <laughs> I, I, I think that they missed their boat. I mean, that movie now has got to be like 10 years old, right? Mommy? I have one? no idea. Is it 2017 or something like that? It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's 2018 now. It's, I mean, the, the, the first one. Yeah, 2008. It's been 10 years. <laughs> Colin Firth, that was right. Pierce, oh, yes. Here we go. The film stars Amanda Siegfried, Lily James, Amanda Julie Walt. Is it Seyfried? Seyfried. Whatever. Golem. <laughs> if you watch Ted 2, which was a great movie. <laughs> Lily James, Christine Berinsky, Julie Walters, Pierce Brosnan, Colin Firth, Stellan Skarsgård, Dominic Cooper, Andy Garcia, Cher. By the way, Cher is four years older than Meryl Streep. Cher is playing Meryl Streep's mom. Cher is ageless. So is Meryl Streep. <laughs> but she's playing her mom in Meryl Streep. <laughs> Making Cher anyone's grandmother is unacceptable. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> So come on. <laughs> so because I don't know anything about this movie, I just know it looks bad. I'm gonna go with this one as my next flop. Um, I have one more high expectation. Oh, okay. But I would rather end on a high note. Yes. And then we have our wild card as well. My my last movie that will flop is going to be Mortal Engines. Oh uh, my god. <laughs> yeah. For those of you that saw the trailer attached to The Last Jedi, The Last Jedi had a lot of really weird and really bad trailers attached to it. And this is one of them, where it basically looks like Mad Max, but where people are driving cities instead of just, like, crazy dune buggies. Mm -hmm. Like, they're running away from London. Not, like, a truck named London or a person Mm. named London. But literally London. The fucking city of London. I don't know what else is going on in this movie, but yeah, the the city of London literally eats a little, like, little town that is running away from London. What is the point of this movie? What what are you trying to tell me? What is the story? Is London now sentient and hungry? And it eats all the little cities that have grown little tires? Uh, are these cities transformers? Is this Megaplex? Oh my god, that'd be fantastic. 
I'm now thinking like London just like gets up and grabs a few, and grabs a few of the red buses, puts some on top of it, and starts driving. No, the red buses are sprinkles. <laughs> the double deckers are sprinkles on top of. Ooh, who is this Baghdad? Okay, just put some sprinkles on there. They add a little bit of cinnamon. Mmm. Yeah. Not as good as tea and crumpets, but it'll do. <laughs> Give me that spoonful of sugar. Uh, so my last one, which I'm pretty sure is going to piss off, you know, the one Harry Potter fan that listens to this series, is Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. I'm predicting this because I think we're at a turning point of the Potter franchise where there seems to be the diehard J.K. Rowling has done no wrong, can do no wrong, will do no wrong. And the rest of us who's grown up and are kind of kind of getting tired. I didn't. I kind of liked, but didn't like the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, mostly because I found Eddie Redmayne to be doing a weird, his weird mumble. His yeah. The the he seemed to be trying to put an audition tape to be the Doctor, but then also Colin. I, you don't like Colin Farrell, but he was fantastic. He yeah. sold that movie so well with Ezra Miller. And it worked, and I bought the creepy undertone vibes between the two of them, and I really liked it. And he turned into Johnny Depp. And at this point, Johnny Depp has so much baggage associated with him in terms of not only that he used to be a fantastic actor and now seems to be just in it for the paycheck, he's reached that Bruce Willis sleepwalking through my career fa- uh, phase of his life. He seems to be in the last Pirates movie was garbage. I can't believe it. It's on Netflix, and I still need to watch it just because I'm curious. Watch it with a stiff drink and you might get through it. Um, rum? Yeah. <laughs> Preferably rum. Where's all the rum gun? Get me through this movie's where the rum's gone. It's just... And when you have the cast... When you have Daniel Radcliffe being asked about Johnny Depp's personal life, and he seems to have some of the, a lot of the same questions a lot of people do about, like, if we're now in this movement to get scumbags off of our movies, why is he there? I'm not sure I can remove. I'm not sure I can remove any longer. Johnny Depp. I'm not. I, whatever his personal life is. Johnny Depp not giving a damn versus Johnny Depp giving a damn. And Johnny Depp hasn't really given a damn for like ten years now. I think really since he didn't get the Oscar for Finding Neverland, he's kind of given up. Yeah, he's just like I'm just gonna do this for money, and that's that. So I'm. I'm not saying it's gonna necessarily bomb bomb, but I think that. It's. I mean, the um, it's not going to build the Harry Potter movies. They build upon each other. Each one a little bit more successful, a little bit more financially successful, a little bit more critically, a little bit better acting, a little bit, and they built up until what it became, which is why they're not classics. I just don't see this one having that same momentum of critical acceptance, public acceptance as it builds. Especially they've announced their weird plan for it, which is every movie is now is going to be themed. It's going to be in a you know like five years later. And in a new city. And that city is where the movie will be. So we had New York, and now I think we have London for this one. And then another new city, perhaps Paris, for the next one. And then we're going to have World War II going on. Dumbledore and Grindelwald having to have their epic battle. And eventually the fifth one. Well, part of the problem with this, too, is that J.K. Rowling had years to craft the story of Harry Potter. Like, maybe she she didn't know the details uh, before she started writing the stories, but she had the layout of what she wanted to do. And I'm sure she has the same thing going with this. Calling this franchise Fantastic Beasts, Mm -hmm. like, that just is weird to me. Like, I understand in in the premise of the first movie, it makes sense. Because, you know, part of the main part of the movie is that Eddie Redmayne is hunting down 
the the weird like black gooey thing. I forget what it's called right now, but it's it's about him being a fantastic beast hunter or yep. you know uh, protector or whatever you want to call him, and uh, he he just he's trying to save these magical creatures. Whereas the next one, the Crimes of Grindelwald, why is this one called Fantastic Beasts? Fantastic Beasts. The Are there going to be other Fantastic Beasts? I'm assuming so, because... I mean, Eddie Redmayne's in it again, but they've also said that he's not the primary character of these movies anymore. Like, he was just the introductory to this yeah. portion of the time frame, uh, or the timeline. We don't know what's going on with all that, and I think that's part of it. People had a, a base for the... Uh, the Harry Potter movies. Like yeah. you read the first handful of them before they even made the first movie. Mm-hmm. So you, you knew these characters, you knew where the story was going and you just want to see how they adapt this, where this is basically original content mm-hmm. that JK Rowling is creating for these movies. So we go in with certain expectations and we have nothing to back them up on. So we don't know what they're adapting or what they're creating. They're being weird. Like they're bringing back everybody from the first movie, including all the people they mind wiped. They're all back. It's like, Why? Well, I mean, uh, I forget the the actor's name, but he was the best part of that entire movie. Yeah, but why? I mean, yes, he was, but are they going to mind wipe him every movie? Or just, I think uh, I, I think Eddie Redmayne's character is going to be like, I know a muggle that can help us with this, and they go and on mind wipe him and bring him back. Why do they need a baker from New York? <laughs> because if they unmind wipe him, he understands certain things. So they don't have to re-explain anything. They just have to go through the unmind wiping. Yeah, I, th- I think it's just reactionary. Yeah, I do. I agree. I'm just trying to create a... Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out a justification. Moving on. Uh, sticking in the Warner Brothers family, my last high expectation movie for 2018 comes out December 21st. It is Aquaman, directed by James Wan. I actually do like James Wan. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, if I remember correctly... James Wan's actually a good director. Uh, if I remember correctly, he did Star Trek Beyond. And Star Trek Beyond is actually... That was Justin Lin. Oh, dang it. Uh, Juan did... Uh, One of the Fast and Furious Fast movies. and Furious 8. Okay. He, I think he did 7 also. Uh, yeah, he did the one where Paul Walker was dead. Yeah, that's 7. So yeah, I mean, that was a good one too. I But I mean, if if it's a clean, crisp, fun movie, I'm, I'm all for it. And especially the DC movies and Aquaman especially. Aquaman deserves more. He's a really good character. He just gets a bum rap because of the super friends that's the only thing really exciting about this is that i feel really bad for james wan because he talked about you know i've been doing horror and i want to leave horror behind and uh he did that kevin bacon movie death sentence or something like that to try to like shake some of the horror stigma from him after doing like saw one and two or one two and three i think he did then he kind of did insidious and some other with some of those others and then he's like listen i want to leave horror behind i'm going to do a fast and furious movie this should be really easy and then Paul Walker died. <laughs> and he had to spend like four months refilming everything. And then like the the doubles with like, apparently like every take that they had to like reshoot or fill in for Paul Walker had to be shot from three different times. Like they had to shoot with like the body double, then the brother, then the guy who was acting as Paul Walker. And then all the face, all the, all the digital effects he had to oversee to make sure it worked. And then he like, and they so broke him. He then went back and like, I think did Insidious 2. <laughs> Which was a good movie, <laughs> or The Conjuring Two, I think that's what it was. Mm. And now he, you know, and then he's like, okay, I'm gonna shake off the horror mantle one more time. Let's do a superhero. Ah, crap! They're giving me James, Jason Momoa, and Dolph Lundgren, and Aquaman, and Amber Heard. <laughs> and Amber Although Heard. Amber Heard looks amazing as Mira, 
the, co- yeah. the the costume department like nailed the look of Amber Heard as Mira. Well, that's the funny thing is like she basically looks like uh, looks like her, which was funny because the, the every time I think of um, I think of the Wachowskis, I think of the uh, Speed Racer movie and how basically they just cast the live action anime person in Christina Ricci being was it Trixie or whatever her name yeah. was. Yeah, and I was like, wow, that's they just. Found somebody with oversized eyes who's really small. This is perfect casting. And then, like, yeah, Mira actually looks really good. And, you know, and then, so I'm actually tentatively excited because I still think that Aquaman is the best part of Justice League. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. My man. <laughs> Which was basically the two scenes he was in. Yeah. Well, then he had the, uh, the lasso of truth moment, too, where he's like, I'm really scared, guys. I, I think we might not make it. Yeah, yeah. That, which it was nice. It was a nice, different kind of moment for Jason mm-hmm. Momoa in that movie too. Um, I know some people don't like it because they, they call him like broke one man or whatever. Mm-hmm. But whatever. If he, if it's a fun, good movie, who cares? Yeah. So your last highly anticipated movie, Mary Poppins Returns. No, Meg. Meg, the Jason Statham fights a megalodon movie. Shut up. <laughs> it's stupid. The book is stupid. It's about a it's about a shark unfreezing and rampaging and it's basically deep blue sea, but come on. I am I want to see Jason Statham fight a giant shark. <laughs> I did not know this movie was in existence, let alone in production. It comes, is there a trailer? Yes. Uh, I'll no, have to watch that. No, no, there's not, it's not a trailer. It they've released some screen caps which is like Jason Statham looking badass and there's like a giant shark behind a, a glass pane, you know? It's 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 based off a book and that had a few sequels and the book plots read like a sci-fi movie like somebody who sat there and went yes um giant shark unfreezes um begins killing stuff deep sea stuff yes this is how this will work (laughs) (laughs) and they optioned it and are filming it have filmed it and who's the production studio behind this uh it is um it's directed by john turtletub who, if you know him from National Treasure, National Treasure Book of Secrets, Cool Runnings, The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Um, I actually like The Sorcerer's Apprentice. I did too. It was obviously really cut down. There's some weird hard cuts where you can tell they like jettison like five minutes of plot, but it's not a bad movie. Um, it has. I don't know who the production company is, but it's a hundred and fifty million dollar movie. The only reser- Rain Wilson's in it, which I kind of like. I, I'm excited about Cliff Curtis. Um, my main reservation is Ruby, Ruby Rose. Rose is in it as a character Just named Jax with two or three X's. Uh, two. Oh, okay. They can't go three X's, otherwise they're they're riding into um, Vin Diesel territory. <laughs> but I, I know you know I, I should canned a little bit of a um, Jurassic World looking like a bad sci-fi movie, but I. Expect Back to more from Spielberg in Jurassic Park. So the the official Warner Brothers synopsis. Five years ago, expert sea diver and naval captain Jonas Taylor encountered an unknown danger in the unexplored recesses of the the Mariana Trench Mm -hmm. that forced him to abort his mission and abandon half his crew. Though the tragic incident earned him a dishonorable discharge, what ultimately cost him his career, his marriage, and any semblance of honor was his unsupported and incredulous claims that it was an attack on his vessel by a mammoth, excuse me, by a mammoth 70-foot sea creature 
believed to be extinct for more than a million years. But when submersible. a sum, submersible, okay. When a submersible lies sunk and disabled at the bottom of the ocean, carrying his ex-wife among <laughs> the team on board, <laughs> that know, is right? super sci-fi. <laughs> I know, right? But coincidentally, his ex-wife is there. I know. Carrying his ex-wife among the team on board, he is one of he is the one who gets the call. Whether a shot at redemption or a suicide mission, Jonas must confront his fears and risk his own life and lives for everyone trapped below on a single question. Could the Carcharodon Megalodon, <laughs> the largest marine predator that's ever existed, still be alive and on the hunt? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I just really want to see that movie now because I just I really want to see Jason Statham go, Oi, Meg, you're going down. <laughs> he would, too. <laughs> you know he signed on with this because he's like, yeah. This is his uh, Snakes on a Plane. Yeah, yeah. Well, think about it. It's a $150 million movie, and you know that like a fifth of that budget is just given to him. Yeah. You know, because they're like... And he, I think when the check arrived, he like looked at it twice and went, that, that's more... Is that an extra zero? I thought, I thought this was a fifty million dollar movie. So they've also got the <laughs> Fire Lord uh, from the Avatar movie that shall not be named. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and Ruby Rose is hanging out in the background there. Yep. She's got her I'm Ruby Rose hair. Yep. Wow. <laughs> oh my god! And this comes out August tenth. So that's right in that. Uh, Hitman's bodyguard window. So yep. I guess we have a new trend happening in Hollywood here. My last movie here. We're doing wild cards now. Wild cards could be they're going to be bad, they're going to be good, but we want to see them one way or another. And mine is a quiet place. That movie looks so good. Starring John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. This movie, I I honestly, it looks so weird and interesting. It, it looks like classic Shyamalan like almost kind of what people expected the village to be uh, but the the official synopsis here a family lives in isolated existence in utter silence for fear of an unknown threat that follows and attacks at any sound uh, this comes out April 6th if you haven't seen the trailer watch the trailer they they sign they sleep in like porcelain tubs to try and minimize any noise they walk on salt they walk on like paint on their hardwood floors to yeah. kind of to try and prevent any floorboards creaking. Yeah, it looks like the, the, the floorboard thing threw me off at first, but then I realized they probably marked where the floors don't creak. Mm-hmm. And you can only walk on those spots, and that's creepy. And this is directed <laughs> and written by John Krasinski. Um, he also had help with Brian Woods and Scott Beck. The only part of this that has me worried is that Michael Bay is a producer, but I think that's because of the relationship John Krasinski and he probably built when John Krasinski was doing 13 Hours. We don't know a lot about this movie. Is it supernatural? Is it people on the hunt? No idea, but I'm I'm very interested by this movie. I probably won't get a chance to see it in theaters just because I know my wife won't go see it. I'll go see it. And we will also have a uh, like five-week-old at that point. I'll tell you how it was. (laughs) (laughs) So I won't have any time to get out of the house at that point. So pretty much all of my my podcasting stuff will be my my outside world uh, contact at that point. So your wild card. I'm kind of torn because one part of me, so I'm going to cheat slightly. I'm going to mention three, but go with one. I kind of want to see Mission Impossible 6 just because it's 
the, the last few have been fun. The, the production delays, plus the they're actually bringing back Rebecca Ferguson, plus Henry Cavill's in it, plus they're bringing back the director. And, and his stuff. mustache. Yeah, and this is the first time they brought back like a, a co-lead in an actual you know main role and the whole bringing back the same director. But I'm pretty sure that's going to be a good movie. Then part of me kind of want to mention Annihilation, that uh, sci-fi movie from the guy who did Ex Machina, Ex Machina with Natalie Portman. Mm. But I have to go with one that I... I have some hope it might be good. I have to go with Bruce Willis's Eli Roth's Death Wish remake reboot. Oh, thing. no. No, no I, bear with me. Bear no, with me. I'm no. Gonna, you, I'm, I'm gonna you're make, cut off. Thanks no, for listening, no, everyone. Cue gonna, the theme music. I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make the case. Bear with me. Bruce Willis looks like he's giving a damn. Eli Roth is directing like he gives a damn. The first trailer was horrible. It looked like a revenge shoot 'em up, tone death, broy, snarky movie. Which the Death Wish one and two weren't really that. Death Wish one was actually a really dark movie. I actually just watched it last night. No, it was Tuesday night. I was home bored by myself, and it was on, and I was like, I haven't watched this from the beginning. It's a dark ass movie, and it's actually a very. T- it actually has a social commentary angle. Once you get to like three, four, and five, it's just a shoot 'em up. Like, <laughs> watch um, Charles Bronson kill people. I was afraid of that with the first trailer, but the trailer they released like a week or two ago, which is a re- which is basically a reestablishment trailer of selling this is actually like an honest, like dark movie that's not just this action broy movie that Eli Roth is known for doing. I actually have a little bit of hope that this actually could be a poignant interesting movie about its release date march 2nd (laughs) it'll be cut down to 90 minutes it currently is rated r its runtime is i believe 95 minutes that's including credits yeah so you're gonna get a 85 to 88 minute movie but okay but here's the cast list now mind you the screenwriter it was his screenwriter was joe carnahan um he's the guy who um did the A-Team movie, but he was also... Um, he's the guy who wrote, directed, created The Blacklist. But we have Bruce Willis, Vincent D'Onofrio, Elizabeth Shue, and Dean Norris. I don't know who that is. Uh, he's been in a lot of uh, cop movies and stuff like that. He, he's... He, um, is Vincent D'Onofrio playing his character from Law & Order Criminal Intent? <laughs> oh, he's... Uh, what's his face from Breaking Bad? Yeah. So, it could be good. It won't be. I know, but that's why it's my wall card. Because, like, cause like the, well, the first movie, the trailer I saw was like... For you, it has the potential. If, if I saw the trailer, and I was just like... <sighs> but then, like, Bruce Willis are, like, you know, talking to a therapist, and she's like, you have you been getting much sleep or, like, you know, getting some tension out? And he kind of does that Bruce Willis charisma, smug kind of smile. Like, yeah, I've been doing some stuff. Like, that's the only highlight of that part of the movie. And then I'm like, okay, and I saw the new trailer, and I was like, this might be a serious, a slightly serious film. It's going to suck him. We're going to wind down there. Uh, if you're excited for movies, again, we, we skipped over the Marvel movies just because obviously we're excited for those. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wanted to try to kind of try and break into different things that we might be excited for. Deadpool's um, going to rock him. Yeah, Deadpool is another one that we skipped over. <laughs> but yeah, if you, you're excited for something, let us know. You can find us on Facebook, Talking Smack, S-M-A-C. You can also tweet at us, uh, Talking Smack Pod, on Twitter. You can also email us at tsmackpod at gmail.com. Again, Smack is spelled S-M-A-C, superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. 
And then you can follow me on Twitter at Josh underscore Scar. Scar is spelled S-K-A-A-R. And Alex, who is our theme by this week? In light of all the um, stuff that's been going on in the world, I think we need to revisit it. And so just released from the archives, it turns out that Prince actually was so forward-thinking, he did a remix for us from Beyond the Grave. All right, roll that theme music. <laughs> 